This place is special. Get asked all the time, where's your favorite place to take college game day? And I say every time, Eugene, Oregon. Yes. This is the best crowd. Honestly, it's six in the morning here. Yeah. It's dark. It's raining. They don't care. These fans right here, pound for pound, are as good as any college football fans in the country. This program is staged to compete and to win championships. Oregon is going to be in the championship game. Can you believe the magical season this has become? When we watch this film, does our effort beat theirs? Here's Bo Nix. Guns been making deposits. Time to cash the check. Sound at Austin, which is deafening for an Oregon 15-point win. Chip Kelly still does not have a win against his former school, and we say farewell. Man, it feels great to be a duck. Welcome to the QB11 Show, presented by Scoop Duck, with Doug, Andrew, and J-Hop. Here are the guys with the latest scoop. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the QB11 show presented by Scoop Deck. As always, I am Doug Scott, joined by Andrew, of course, QB11 himself. Good evening. Happy Sunday. Good, good evening, sir. How are we doing? We're doing great. We're doing great. Uh, Oregon obviously uh, beat Stanford 42-6 to and uh, obviously heading into the bye week now and getting ready for two weeks of preparation for the Huskies, who are also on a bye week. Big game up there, which we will talk about in depth throughout the week, uh, throughout the next two weeks particularly. But we wanted to break down the Stanford game first and talk about the week that was around college football and um, have a little fun here. Sounds good to me. Let's get rolling. Yeah. So obviously we had our instant reaction show. We talked about, so I, I know I read off a lot of the stats there, so I won't repeat all of that as well, but maybe we can get a little bit more in depth. I know you, you've had a chance to watch some more of that game again and, and myself as well. And maybe we'll just start with kind of overall takeaways. Then we'll dig into each side of the ball and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. Overall takeaways, the obvious, the slow start, but that was standing, I think like digging into the film and watching us more um, execution was a lot cleaner in a lot of places. I think specifically uh, the spacing in our, in our, with our receivers in the route tree um, just, there was a lot of times against Colorado where guys were stacked up like way too close to each other. Spacing was poor, whether it was on like vertical um, ver- vertical concepts or even in some of our quick game stuff, that was a lot cleaner. I really like to see the incorporation of Terrence Ferguson into the past game. Um, I like that like there's a there's a clear focus on on targeting Troy Franklin, but we're not exclusively targeting him and there and there's plenty of opportunities and I think we're starting to see guys like Trayshawn Holden and Gary Bryant emerge more and more, I think, on a week to week basis along with Tez and and, and Troy. So uh, I, I just think that the way that the offense is being called right now, they're in such a good rhythm. We're doing such a good job of creating horizontal stretch. Um, through our through our RPOs and SPOs in the quick game, and it's it's creating better and better running lanes. And I think as the offensive line continues to gel, uh, we're seeing a lot cleaner combo blocks on our duo and inside zone schemes. So um, I just I feel I feel really good about the progress this team is making. And then when you break it down on a more individual level, just seeing guys continuing to improve. Like I thought, Nico Reed uh, on film played as good or better of a game than I thought kind of on our instant reaction pod last night when we were 
when we were talking about kind of his performance. Um, even Steve Stevens, like Steve Stevens is playing the best football of his career. Uh, and I, and I'm, I genuinely feel that Jordan Birch might be the best edge run defender in the conference. So there's a lot of really good things showing up on tape right now. And I'm excited to see what it looks like when we suit up against a, a more talented opponent. Yeah. And that will obviously be coming next with Washington, who is, who is definitely a more talented opponent than anyone uh, we faced and, and vice versa. Um, I think either, both of those teams are five and oh, um, you know, we got Oregon got tested a little bit on the road at Texas tech Air Washington got their first kind of test in this past game against Arizona winning by seven down in the desert. Um, but you know, neither team has faced an offense like the other team has. Um, and so that'll be, that'll be interesting to watch it. But like you said, it's a, it'll be a great test for Oregon's defense. I mean, this defense looks, you know, that all the, all the statistics, all the metrics, all the numbers are starting to come in now, you know, that the defense is, is a significantly improved unit over last year. But, and I think, you know, watching the games bears that out too, right? Like you just, all the things we've been talking about, the tackling I think I saw a stat today, Oregon is ninth in the country defensively on missed tackle rate, um, which is, I mean, where were they a year ago, two years ago? I mean, we're, sure as heck we weren't, weren't there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> they might have been 90th or 99th. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that just watching us, we're so we're so much more sound and we're not perfect. Like there was times where I saw uh, Casey Rogers was was a little bit um, undisciplined at times getting out of his rush lane, creating opportunities for Stanford quarterbacks to break the pocket. Um, and I'm, I'm not singling him out because he's the main problem, but like it, there's still some stuff like that popping on film. But overall, like the overall discipline and I think that there's just a, a greater understanding and I think this really says a lot about those freshmen that we brought in and the buy-in in the program, but there's just a lot more understanding about what the expectation is in terms of where guys are supposed to be. And they're trusting the other 10 guys around them to do their job and it's allowing them to play fast. Um, and there's a lot less hesitation. Guys are triggering faster. That's one of the things that I'm noticing more and more at the second level as I watch our, our, um, our linebackers, whether it's Jamal Hill or Jeffrey Bossa, guys are starting to play faster. Like they're, they're scraping over the top of things. The communication is really good. Um, and I, I've had access to better film lately. I've been watching some of the all 22 and just really coming away uh, week over week impressed with the growth, like watching again, I think uh, Amari Washington is a really good example of this. And in, in the, at the end of the Stanford game, making all kinds of plays and causing all kinds of havoc. Um, when when you watched him against Portland state, he was just immediately giving his chest to the offensive line, playing with poor pad level, not really playing with correct leverage. Um, and so just really encouraged by the growth with him. So, uh, and, and I, that can be said about countless guys, whether it's Tuioti or purchase or Mateo um, guys like Taimani coming into their second year in the program uh, and what he's been able to do with his body. Uh, Evan Williams is just absolutely crunching people at every opportunity and the physicality that we're playing with in the back half between him and Tyshim Johnson and guys like Kyrie Jackson, we're just a much more physical football team than we were a year ago. Yeah. Kind of going back to, to that first quarter and the slow start. And, and, and certainly when you look at it kind of in, in the rear view and kind of at a, at a little bit kind of detached level, like it actually, I don't think it was as, I mean, outside of the score, I don't even think it was as bad as it looked on, on paper. Just if you look at Stanford's first drive, 15 plays, 46 yards. I mean, that's three yards per play. I mean, they, it's not like they were gashing us 
right? I mean, they they converted a third and one, a third and two. They didn't convert. Uh, then they converted a fourth and one, and then another third and one uh, before finally kind of, you know, we, we finally got them into a third and long, and, and they kicked a long field goal. We got a sack, and they kicked a long field goal, right? So the problem was, you know, they weren't like, they weren't gashing our defense. They were, they were just getting enough to get into third and short and and make manageable conversions, right? And by kind of like chipping away at us. And the second drive, more of the same, 3.9 yards per play. You know, again, long drive, 13 plays, 51 yards, right? They, I mean, they, very high play count drives that gained not very many yards and ended in field goals, right? And and again, it was, you know, a couple of short yardage conversions. They had converted a fourth and two in that one as well. So, you know, a little bit, obviously you don't want to give up points and you don't want to give up long drives and time killing drives, but it, but it's not like the team drove down the field, like with ease and, and punched it in the end zone and, and made our defense look bad, right? Like they worked for every yard they got in those two drives. And on the other side of the ball, okay, it's two, three and outs, right? Okay. Yeah. It was a bad first quarter. You had two possessions and six plays. Like, it's not like you had a bunch of failures, right? I mean, you, you run for, for one yard on your first play. You get five yards on a pass to, to make a third and four, which is exactly what you want to do on second and nine, right? Get half the yardage. They got it. Successful play. And then they well, have no, a that, wide open. Sorry to interrupt, but the windows, like you're, you're, you're saying the completions, but the windows that like these completions were being made in, in, in the early part of this game were not sustainable. Like you're not going to complete throws into that tight of window with that tight of contested coverage on a consistent basis. And, and and we saw that like you talk about Stanford, Stanford's drives. Yeah, yeah, it's not yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Okay, like they yeah, well, the, the yeah, I even said drives, I they I did even, it. I think I even said this, you know, at the time QB, whether it was in our group chat or out loud or something. But I looked at those first two drives they made, and I and I said nothing they're doing is sustainable. Like that's the way I, I mean it. I didn't think it was sustainable in real time as I was watching it. No, because they were struggling to, and they were they like they were making the like it, like what's the way to put this? They were quote unquote making plays, but they were, their playmaking was resulting in three yard gains. Right. Right. Like they were like, they were making plays and like contested coverage or breaking a tackle. And there, there were uncharacteristic mistakes for Oregon player, Oregon defenders, but that wasn't going to continue. And they, and like, if, if your big play is a three yard gain, then you're just not going to get a lot done. I think it was a 12 yard game, but, but your point stands. But, yeah. But, yeah. So yeah. flipping over. Yeah. Go ahead. But yeah. I mean, like, again, I'm, I'm using that as an example, like, cause I think they probably averaged about three yard per yards per play the, on that, um, well, on that, on their two scoring drives, they averaged three and a half yards per play on two scoring drives. I mean, that is not yeah. a sustainable model for success. No, it's not <laughs> at all. I mean, that, that's not, I mean, in that, and, and that's both of that's both of those were actually over Oregon season average, which is, <laughs> Something else entirely to say, but yeah, even going back to Oregon's two drives, right? Okay, so you get a one yard run on the first play of the game. You you pick up half the yardage you need on the second play, and then you have a wide open guy uh, that walks in for a touchdown if you if you hit him on the pass. So okay, that's the first three and out, and then the second three and out, you get four yards on four yard run on first down, and then you know you you miss you miss a second down throw and and throw short on third, and you're punting again. So. Again, I you know there was enough to it's just it's just weird it was just game flow you know and you only getting two possessions in that first quarter made it seem like oh my god we've only ran six plays it's the sky is falling but you know I mean out of six plays it's such a small sample size you've only had two successful plays out of six that's definitely under Oregon's average 
but it's a it's just a such a small sample size and obviously they went touchdown 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 and, and not counting the end of half um drive which would have been a touchdown had they not run out of time yeah and then what was their success rate the rest of the game offensively well there's ours 70 percent. i don't know we'll ask yeah, exactly. day, but <laughs> yeah once once we got rolling it was it was curtains exactly so. exactly um yeah you know going over to the defense i i thought a couple guys we've talked about that need you know evan williams we talked about on the on the recap he deserves mentioning again another guy i don't know that we mentioned him on the recap but we should have if we didn't was Taki Tamani. You know, Popo I mean, he, was very limited in this game. Uh, I think he played four plays, you know, was in street clothes most of the game. And Taki played a seizing high number of snaps, uh, played 26 snaps in this game and was absolutely dominant inside, particularly in the running game. Yeah. I mean, he's been quietly very dominant all year. Like he's been, you could tell like the yes. weight that he's lost the reshaping of his body He's more comfortable moving around. He's able to play off box and play laterally with more quickness than the line of scrimmage. Like watching watching the tape of him against Colorado. I mean, again, like I, I told you, like I think it was like Thursday night. Like I, I crushed like four games worth of all twenty two, and like seeing the improvement that individual players have made during the off season and then throughout the season so far, he was one of the guys that I think really stood out to me as someone who's like, wow, this guy. He was he was solid last year. He wasn't a bad player, but he wasn't plus. Like he wasn't someone that was consistently impacting the game in a, in a positive way. And he's, I mean, his, the, the quality of snap he's giving us now is quite impressive. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And and he, he'll be key in that Washington game too, whether, po, I mean, I'm sure Popo will be good to go, but you know, that's, you're going to need a lot of bodies in that game. And between him and Popo and Casey, like there's a lot of bodies in there on the inside. You mentioned Jordan Birch. I thought he, like you said, I thought he was really upstanding. He had three tackles in this game. Again, setting edge in the run game. Mace Funa is another one, right? This is the this is the the perfect game for Mace Funa, right? Like they, yeah, like this is the game that like Mace Funa wants every week to play a, a team like Stanford. He it's when he's uh, well, and actually, I will I want to give him credit. He had the one sack, and it was actually a pretty tremendous pass rush move. Like the way he got rid of the hands. He was able to flatten it and make the sack. I mean, it was a, that was a nice rush. Like that was not one of those. Sometimes you get guys who get sacks, and it's like, okay, well, it was a motor sack because there was good coverage downfield, and the quarterback scrambled right into him or something like that, right? But this was like legitimately beating their left tackle and earning a sack straight up. Um, so I want to give him some credit, but he is most usable against teams like this, right? Because he'll he he's fantastic tackler, and he's gonna he can stack up blocks all day. Yeah, when a team who wants to run run heavy sets, play a lot of 12, 13 personnel, and and clearly um, Stanford was no threat to throw the ball, and particularly after, you know, they, they play a two-quarterback system. You know, what's the old saying? If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. Um, and yeah. I don't think they have any. But clearly when the one got knocked out of the game, they're the one who actually throws a little. Um, there was It was very clear that Stanford was not going to make much of an attempt at all to – and that was a fantastic throw the ball. hit. He got freaking smoked. Yeah, Evan Williams on the on the the heat there. Yeah, he. Uh, that's like the one thing is like the physicality that we're finishing tackles with is much improved over last year. I think Jamal Hill has been really physical as well, but Evan Williams is is like really really smacking people. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
who else did I want to talk about on this one on the defensive side of the ball? I mean, Tysheem Johnson continues to play every meaningful snap. So does Evan. Uh, Kyrie generally does. Obviously, he went out with uh, what looked to be like a hip or a groin. Um, probably fine. He also plays pretty much all the snaps. Nico came in for him. I, you know, Dante Manning also. Julio Florence started again. He's been limited the last couple of weeks dealing with some sort of at least minor injury element that's, um, you know, kind of he's starting games but not finishing them the last two weeks. And Dante Manning's come in for him both times and has been it, – it, it almost seems like you don't miss a beat there between those two guys at left corner. No, I've been really impressed with Dante Manning, and I think um, where we'll see separation is when we start playing against the better receivers in the league. Um, and we're going to see quite a bit of them over the next few weeks, whether it's Washington with the trio they've got or, or the guys over at uh, Victor and Kelly at Washington State, or then when we play USC, the complement of guys they have. So we're going to see plenty of good receivers, and I want to see what the drop-off looks like between our corners once we start getting into those to those games against that higher quality player, because if the drop-off can remain negligible, then I feel like unbelievably strong about our depth going forward. Absolutely. But let's talk about the sacks a little bit. So Oregon has 19 sacks on the year, which is already more than they had the entire uh, season last year, which is kind of crazy to say, um, but it also speaks to how poor last year's pass rush was, which we've talked about at length. How many, I'm going to ask you quick, how many different people do you think have recorded a sack for the Oregon defense? Um, all right, let me, let me, let me, let me give this a hand. So Birch, Dorless, Popo, Tuioti, um, Hill, Kyrie Jackson, Evan Williams, um, you just mentioned Taishim, one earlier. Taishim. Uh, I don't know if Taimani probably has one. No, he doesn't know. have I'm, one. I'm going to yeah. go nine. I'm going to go nine. It's guys. 12. 12 players. Holy crap. Okay. Yeah. I, and what's crazy. So the most on the team, Jordan Birch, Evan Williams have three each. Jamal. Brandon Popo have two each, and then you got um, seven guys: Mateo Tatum, Jerry Mixon, Bryce Betcher. Oh, they Ty counted Sheen. that tackle for loss as a as a sack. Yeah, a he was the closest guy in the area, so yeah, he got he got the sack. Gotcha. I was on the I think the the bad snap uh, for Mateo, which he deserves he deserves to have a sack in the books because he's been so close so many times um, throughout earlier in the year. So I'll, I'll give him that one. Um, and then yeah. Tuna was the last one. So 12 different. So I, I guess the, the reason I brought that up is just like, you know, Oregon is not relying on one or two like edge guys to create all the pressure, right? They're getting pressure from everywhere, right? And this is the hallmark of a Dan Lanning defense, right? So you got the interior pressure, you got the, the traditional edge rush pressure, you've got corners, you got safeties, you got linebackers, you got in, in, inside linebackers, outside linebackers. I mean, they're bringing pressure from all over the field and it's extremely effective when they do. Yeah. It's uh, the, the mixture of like, and I think this needs to be said in conjunction with talking about the back end, but the mixture of coverage, um, the, the amount of guys that were rushing the types of pressures that we're bringing, like, it's not all just like rush four. It's not all drop eight. It's not all like 
bring the house blitzes. It's not all sim pressures. Like there's just a great mixture of coverage. And I, I think that like Dan is very obviously much more involved with the defense this year than he was a year ago. But I also think that Tosh deserves some credit for really maturing as a coordinator this off season. Cause I think if it's, if it's him still calling the plays, which again, I don't, I don't know the answers to, um, I don't know if you do. Um, I don't really care to be honest. Like, if no, but guy, whoever, whoever's doing it. it. Yeah. Right, no, totally, is in totally. their bag. Like yeah. they're, they're they're doing a they're doing a phenomenal job of calling. Whoever's calling the plays is doing a really good job. Um because yeah, these quarterbacks are all their heads are spinning. Yeah, it's they been... don't know where it's coming from. They don't know who's coming. They're making it really hard. Um, they're they're very clearly one thing I noticed on film is they're very clearly using whatever the offensive line's rules are for pass protection. They're using it against them in the simulated pressure game, and like we're so much more effective. The timing is so much cleaner. Um, and I think we also just have better players rushing now and having doorless rushing from the inside is just way more effective in there. Um, so just like really impressed with the whole unit. I really can't wait to, to see, I mean, this game, it's, it's, it's 13 days away. It's about 12 by the time people listen to this, but man, I can't, I cannot wait. Cause I, it's going to be a, it's going to be a great game. It's obviously two great offenses. Um, you know, Oregon, what I think has a much improved defense. We'll see about Washington. Washington thinks they have a much improved defense. You know, I guess we'll we'll see in that game. But I'm really excited to see what Dan and Tosh and Chris and the rest of those that meet uh, Tuiati bring. You know, I, I'm really excited to see Coach B. I'm really excited to see what they what they dial up in that game because I I think I, you know you know they're going to be putting something special together for this game, and I'm yeah, really excited no. to see it there's it's going to be a heavyweight matchup in a lot of ways i think but when you, when you look at the two staffs um offensively for for washington and defensively for oregon it's going to be quite the ch- the chess match to watch and then you have a really experienced quarterback who's seen a lot um going up against a defense that probably has the most to offer in terms of different looks coverages and, and pressures of any team on their schedule so yeah yeah i completely agree um Couple more notes on this on defense, you know, just get, again through five games. Um, you know, Kyrie get eight, 17 targets, eight catches, 57 yards. Um, that's pretty darn good, pretty darn good for, for your number one corner. And he's playing, he's playing better, he's playing better the last two weeks than he like a lot better. Like, that's one of the things too that I've noticed with Kyrie. I think he's a perfect example of that accelerated development. He's developed more in, in these five games than I've seen corners under past staffs at Oregon develop in three years. Like, and a part of it is like he's 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 getting baptized under fire, right? Like he's getting the ball thrown his way, um, and he's having to play coverage and do the right things. Um, but he's he's becoming more disciplined. He had a couple of pa- panic pass interference plays against Texas Tech, and now he's getting ahead his head around and making plays on the ball. And I think he leads the team in interceptions. So. Uh, really, really happy with his development. And I think that the way he's playing right now is as good of a testament to the job that Coach Meade's doing um, at, at coaching the corners as anything uh, that can be attributed. Yeah. Well, I mean, that whole unit, right? I mean, between him and what the, the jump you're seeing in Florence, the jump you're seeing in, in Bassa, obviously Man. Nico Reed coming over. Um, Manning, too. Colorado. Manning is Manning, playing. Yeah, I mentioned that. Yeah, I meant to mention him, yeah. That that room is deep, and like there's some really really talented young players that would start like 
if they're not starting, they'd be playing a lot of snaps for most teams in this conference, if not all. Yeah, I'm just can't say enough about that. I, I, th- I think the other thing I'll point out and we can go on to the offensive side of the ball, I, I'm really um, – I think the linebackers are getting better week after week after week. I mean, they seem to this they seem to kind of be settling into, like, understanding their role, particularly in the passing game. I mean, they're really they're, – they've been really, really good in the passing game overall, particularly Hill. Um, and I just, it just – it feels like they're getting more and more confident I think I think Jamal Hill because I'm watching. It's funny that you say that because as we're recording, I'm actually watching his isolation tape. I don't have the Stanford game yet, but I'm watching him against Colorado in the run game, and and again comparing him to weeks past. Like his he's staying square, he's not hesitating, um, and he's scraping quicker. He's quicker to scrape and play his keys than he was against Portland State or Texas Tech. Um, and these are the things that like take good teams to great right and great team great teams to elite is when players that are playing prominent roles or rotating at prominent positions are 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 showing substantial growth quickly over the course of the first half of the season because this team is going to be a very different looking team in week seven and week eight than it was in week one um and that hasn't always been the case with Oregon football teams right like i think that was kind of part of the problem with some of the mario teams is that they didn't seem to improve at the same click that these 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 uh landing teams have been improving yeah they they actually seem to wear down you know which i think maybe f- goes more into the strength and conditioning realm and some of that stuff that we've talked about in the past and i don't need to revisit but i would agree with you oh my gosh popo is so freaking strong <laughs> you must be watching tape <laughs> yes sorry i'll stop um no no it's good well, well you know another you know obviously you know take a turn about the linebackers i know a lot of the you know the walk-ons the local walk-on is always the fan favorite right for everybody right and, and bryce betcher is a guy who i didn't expect to play at all this year to be honest and and he's played um a fair amount he played 64 snaps on the season um particularly in running he's been effective in in rundowns right he's been in fact i think they platoon and they often have him in there on standard downs and bring in Jamal on passing downs or, or combo downs. And and he's been effective against the run and and as a blitzer at times, right? He had that sack and forced fumble one one week as a blitzer. Uh he's not a guy you want to have in pass coverage though. Um and so I, I think we'll probably see less of him against uh against Washington. Yeah, I um he's he's a high motor, high effort guy, and I think of all the walk on linebackers that we've seen uh, create roles for themselves over the years, whether it's a Pelu or who, who was the other one? There's been a couple. Oh, yeah, there's um, been a few. But he, he's definitely the most gifted athletically of that group. But there's still quite a drop-off from him to our starters. Uh, and like in coverage, I think, is where Jamal Hill and Jeffrey Bossa are like really shining and showing like how big of a uh, how much room there was for growth over last year uh, because they're like they're dropping with intention they're not just like hey like this this coverage is calling for me to drop into this zone so I'm gonna get to that spot they're they're actually frictioning receivers they're they're dropping with like a relation and understanding of what the route concept is um, and and they're carrying and playing match like it's just it's like well it's because you have two guys that have spent some significant time either playing safety or in the safety room at linebacker and that's obvious because our coverage of intermediate stuff on over the middle is just so much better than it was a year ago i, I mean ben Eurosec didn't even get the catch i don't even think he was targeted 
Uh, I think he and was targeted once in the flat, and we 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 covered it well. But yeah, okay. like that's that's been their guy. Like they've been force feeding him. Like he he had like I want to say like fourteen catches against um against Hawaii, and he didn't have a single up, catch yeah. against us. He had like yeah. a Dalton Kincaid USC type game against Hawaii, where he was just like 140 yards and ridiculous number of catches. I mean, yeah, on the year he's our leading receiver, coming at 15 catches, 227 yards, and and yeah, he didn't he didn't record a stat. He had two rushes in this game, two tight end end arounds that um, you know caught Oregon off guard, were reasonably effective in those first two drives, and then like he was never heard from again. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball, uh, or sorry, the offensive side of the ball. We've been talking defense. Um, I want Jordan James. I mean, yes. I, I think he is. If if he's still a, a secret to anyone, like that ain't going to last very much longer. Um, I think we we had heard all off season that this guy's a dude. Everyone, you know, every time so would ask Coach Lock, Coach Lockland about. Usually, what would happen is Bucky and Noah, right? And then people go, "Oh, what about Dante Dowdell? What about those freshmen?" And 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 Coach Lachlan would be like, "We got to tell you about this Jordan James kid, <laughs> you know." And and obviously, last year he played in a short yardage role only, um, outside of a few garbage time touches here and there. But you know, we saw through the first four games in a very limited role. Like he's he's a a multifaceted back, kind of does a little. He can catch the ball. He can run with power. He can run with speed. Like does a little bit of everything, and then. Obviously, in this game with Noah being out, to me, it's just like this was his introduction to the world. Is this guy's an NFL player, QB? Yeah, I mean, I he's just a really good all around back. Like he's got good pace and instincts, and um, he he's got really good like his vision's tremendous, right? Like he's got when I when I say like pace and instincts, like he's not a one speed runner. It's not get the ball and it's a thousand miles an hour in whatever direction he's pointed, even if it's into the back of an offensive lineman, shout out to CJ Verdell. It's like, it's all right. We're in third gear. We're, we're setting this block up. We're going to, we're going to give, we're going to help our offensive lineman by giving him leverage by the way that we're approaching the line of scrimmage. And then it's okay. We're, we're, we're like, we're downshifting and, and getting on the accelerator so that we can like create space to the second level. And then we're setting somebody up at the second level. It's just like, it's, it's beautiful to watch. Like he's a, he's a very, very talented back. He's got just such a keen understanding of the 22 chess pieces on the field where they're moving. And I feel, and he, he, he plays with, he runs with great anticipation of where people are, where they're going to be, where his blocks are, where they're going to be. And it, it turns into a lot of explosive plays that I think other backs would leave on the field. He he's had 34 carries, seven touchdowns. That's four one touchdown for every 4.8 carries. And he's not like he's a goal line back this year. He's getting the ball all over the field. Yeah, he's not like the. He's, it's funny because this is kind of true of all all of our backs. Like he's not 
the fastest guy in the world. Like he's not Michael James. He's not going to house it from 80 yards out, but he's such a good runner that he creates yardage that again, maybe someone who's faster on a track isn't going to get because they don't have the same run talent that he does. Yeah. He's broken a 20 plus yarder in every game, except the tech game uh, where he only got four carries. Um, and that's all with, you know, 10 carries, four carries, seven, seven, six. And every single one of those games, he has a 20 plus yarder. Two games, he's got a 35 plus yarder. He's got a touchdown. He's got seven touchdowns in four games, uh, none in the tech game. Uh, he's just, I, this guy is, I think he's, he would start for how many teams in this conference? Nine, 10? I, I think most, probably everybody but Oregon and USC. Maybe not oh, Oregon and, State. And, or- and Oregon State. Sorry, yeah, because I forgot about um, Damian Martinez. But yeah, he's like, he's a very very good back, and I think it just goes to prove that like Oregon has the best running back room in the conference. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I wanted to bring him up because I I think this kid's a star, and we're seeing the start of that right now. And obviously, we're gonna get to see him for at least one more year past this one. Yeah, I'm. I'm I uh, I think the future is bright in the running back room between you him think? and then Dowdell. And I think Lamar had some really nice runs at the end of the Sanford game as well. Yeah. No, I mean, Lamar's getting carries ahead of Dowdell in, in all the garbage time games so far this year. And, and uh, I mean, both of those guys, they bring a little bit something different to the table and obviously they're going to have to wait their turn. And I think that's what coach Locke preaches is, you know, watch, learn, do your job and be ready when it's your turn. And it, it's a real, we've talked about this a lot, but it's a real, I think there's a really selling point. If you're a back who wants to get to the NFL with limited mileage, right? You want to go to a program like Oregon who, who does what Georgia does, right? Like we're going to have a stable of backs. You're going to get the ball 10 to 15 times in a game. You're going to sit your first year. You're going to get the ball 10 to 15 times a game for your next two years. And then you're going to go to the NFL with limited mileage on your tires. It's a, yeah. it's a strong selling point. Yeah, and you're going to play behind a badass offensive line and a balanced offense that's going to feature you and give you opportunities to show your ability as a pass catcher. Like it's it's a it's an opportunity to show yourself as a complete back, right? Like not just yeah, not just pass like, pro, pass pro, pass you know, catching passes. Out, you get a split out. You get a you get a uh, go in motion. Yeah, it's the whole you, you get to run. You get to do everything that a running back can do, and you get to play for one of the best, if not the best, running back coach in the entire country. So yeah, it's pretty ideal. Um, and I, I think we're, we're going to see Oregon continue to recruit that position very well going forward. Um, Troy, we got to talk about Troy. He's good at football. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me, when I, this game, you know, Oregon struggled on those first two, two drives, right? Two, three and outs. And then we came out in the third possession and what did we do? We threw what I believe was just a we're going to throw the ball to our best player you know kind of play early in that drive and and that kind of i think lit the spark uh you know and that kind of went from there yeah i think that when when you're struggling like with timing or you're just not but like it just seemed like we were just like a little bit out of sync early on in the game and when you, when you do that just scheme up something easy to get the ball to your best player on the outside right like just Give like give yourself an easy completion that puts you ahead of the sticks or converts a third down, and um, it was for, like once that happened, it was off to the races. Yeah, so on that on that third drive of the game, there was a not the first they got a first down, and then on the a first and ten, 
Troy to 13 yards, and then on the and then two Jordan James later, two Jordan James runs later, uh, 13 yards and 30 yards. He's in the end zone. Then we come back after a, a quick three and out by Stanford. We come back and you know, Bo to Troy for 15, Bo to Troy for 12, Bo to, Bo to Holden on a screen pass, and then Bo to Troy for 11. You know, you know it just it was clear we were like we need to get the ball to our best players and turn this game around and take control of it. And, and you don't like with Troy, it's like effortless. Like it's, it, it, I, you know, his numbers are insane. He's, he's on pace to break all of the Oregon pass or receiving records this year. And quite frankly, if we play 13, 14, 15 games, he's going to shatter them all, but he's up to, um, what is he on the year now? He's up to 32 catches, 535 yards, seven touchdowns. And what three of those games, four of those games, he's played, like Two and a half quarters, three quarters. I mean, yeah, and I think this. I think he what he's doing right now is a great showcase for future receivers that you're recruiting, guys that are on the roster, um, about like the possibilities in this system, right? Like if you're if you're a player that warrants the attention, like they are going to find ways to get you the ball, um, and so and and I think like that's the same thing that can be said with what Bo's doing right now is that like unlike Penix and unlike Williams he's just playing ball within the system. Right. And like, that's not a diss to, to Nick's because he's operating really well within it. But like this offense is so well designed and it's so well put together that you don't need to play hero ball. You just need to play and just play within the system, play within yourself. And it's going to make you look really good. And you're going to produce at a high level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I just wanted to shout out Troy. Cause I think he's, he's doing good work and like, he he hasn't had a monster game in the sense that you know he's gone off for 180 yards or something but he's he's had over 104 out of 5 games he's got seven touchdowns he's had two two multiple touchdown games already he's had a touchdown in all but one game four out of 5 games and i think the one game he didn't was hawaii where he played like a, a quarter and a half caught caught 80 yards and sat on the bench the rest of the game and celebrated his teammates so but you know as the as the as the teams get more challenging and as these games get more competitive and we're going in into the fourth quarter and games against good teams, like I think there's a monster game out there, maybe more than one. Oh, I think there's going to be more than one because if we're, if we're in like a, a high possession count game where Oregon's getting like 14 or 15 possessions offensively and we're moving the ball and we're, th- we're having to throw it, like he's going to get a lot of touches. Like I could, I I would if you asked me to bet, I bet you there's a 15 catch game in Troy Franklin's future this year. Yeah, I don't think I would take that bet against you. So maybe I would because we do we do spread it around pretty well too. But definitely double digits, multiple double digit games. Yeah. All right. Anything more you want to say on this game or on the team? Kind of we kind of did a little bit of game, a little bit of like team through five, or we can move on to our picks for this week. Yeah, let's go talk about our horrible picks of this week. I mean, they're not that bad. You were just a game under 500 is all. It's not bad. I know. It was just like the games that like I lost were the games that I was probably most confident in, which is always disheartening. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm locked down. Yeah. You put you had a few units on the on the Colorado USC game, right? 
Yeah, I lost some money on that game. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot it's of people. So did. funny because at halftime, I was like, "Man, I'm up on both these games. Like, I'm not gonna like. I had the opportunity to cash out and like win, like win, not like not win like the whole. Bet, so you take like, you take less of the you get a yeah, less take, than if you win win, but you can yeah. And, like I would have made a couple units right, and like I I really thought about it. I was like, man, I think that Colorado is like they've got pride. Like they're gonna try to make this game look closer than it is. I was like, no, I'm like, you had, like, Caleb William, want, they're wanting okay. him to win a Heisman. They'll keep it on him. And so then it just what, didn't manifest in that way at all. Here's what my math brain would tell me you should have done in that situation. Because you had multiple bets, right? On You didn't just have one. Bet. I had, Yeah, I had two. And so they were both winning. Couldn't you have time. cashed one out? So, like, you kind of, like, worst case, you break even. and Or you make, you know, and then, and then you let the other one ride. Yeah, but M- Mama didn't raise a coward. <laughs> Well, she raised an idiot. <laughs> yes, she she raised them. No, I'm absolutely I'm wrong. Kidding. I'm kidding. I'm yeah. kidding. No, you're not. Um, you're not wrong. We're kidding, and I deserve to hear it. So, all right. Well, let's start with Oregon. We all got you, me, and Justin all got that one. I uh, think that was a pretty easy cover there I, on the week. You went five and six, one and four in the pack. I went four and seven, one and four in the pack. Justin went five and six, two and three in the pack. So on the season, you are an even thirty-one and thirty-one, but Worst pack picker of all of us at only 15 and 21. So I guess it's a good thing it's the last year of this conference. Um, I am 29 and 33, the worst of the three of us, 17 and 19 in the pack. And Justin is over 500 in both, 30 and 26, and 18 and 17. Fuck that guy. Wait. I just did. Whatever. (laughs) Uh, This is usually a PG 13 show, but we're rated R for. Heck with that guy. Like yeah. You're not my friend, pal. Um, <laughs> I I don't have any defense for my Pac-12 picks this week other than, like, Washington, what the hell? USC, what the hell? Yeah. So Washington's uh, let you down two weeks in a row now. Well, the first one, like, again, like, cell phone was totally joking. The the sec- This one, though, was, like, they, they jump out to a 14-point lead. It's funny because I made money on this game betting on Washington. But I took them for the first quarter line, <laughs> and Which I'm glad it was only it was only the first quarter, right? Like it's one of those ones where you accidentally look really smart um, because they just like we'll, we'll get into this game and all the other Washington games in a lot of depth next week. Um, but they they just like it's crazy. They played the opposite in, game that Oregon played. So it, yes. you know, Oregon Oregon slept through the first quarter and then dominated the last three. Washington dominated the first quarter and then slept walk through the last three. Yeah, thank you for saving me for my like inability to to say what I was trying to say. Um, Arizona did on defense what I've been advocating for teams to do to Washington, um, and and and, not, not, and most teams aren't equipped to do it necessarily, but Arizona was at least enough equipped to to pull off the strategy, you know, which is make Washington drive the field um, and then try to bow up in the red zone. And and it worked to the, to the extent that Washington had eight possessions. So they Arizona slowed the game down, limited possessions. Washington had four touchdowns and eight possessions, two field goals and two drives of uh, no score. So <clears throat> that's a, that's a strategy that could have won Arizona the game if they had a better offense and they just don't, but other teams. That well, they also have Tyrion strategy, Lannister. They have Tyrion Lannister playing quarterback for him in this kid. <laughs> <laughs> for, for, 
for the nerds that listen to the podcast, you'll get what I'm saying. And if you don't, that's funny. It's almost funnier if you don't get it. He drinks and he knows things, but he can't throw. Yeah. The, the interception he threw was one of the worst interceptions you will ever see. Oh my well, God. he can't see. <laughs> but no, but he... <laughs> Did you see that interception? He he was like scrambling out of the pocket. Looked like he was going to just run for it. And then at the last second, he does this weird like flick of the ball over his head backwards kind of thing. It was, it was yeah. It's the kind of thing that like every high school quarterback is told. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he, he thought he was Marcus Mariota against Michigan State. Like it was. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, He's no, not you're not Marcus that, Mariota. You, you are. It, there's that it, there's that uh that meme of the british guy i'm not sure you had the facilities for that mate <laughs> and that was a a, pr- a prime yeah. example of of fun tonight of fafita not having the facilities for the play he was trying to make he did yeah in his mind i'm sure it looked it looked much better i'm sure it was it was it was much more effective in his brain than than what it turned out for. but yeah fafita but overall he actually Played an okay game uh, outside of that play. Um, looking at this, he you know he's twenty seven of thirty nine, two hundred thirty two yards, three touchdowns and an interception. So it's not terrible. It's not terrible for a backup quarterback. No, not bad at all. I mean, um, it, it is Arizona ran for one hundred and ten yards in this one. Um, not not super effective, but they did enough there to to keep watching honest. I mean, actually, Arizona's offense was it's just not like. Like I said, they did enough defensively to win this game. They just didn't have the offense to see it through on the other side. Yeah, I mean, and who knows? Like, if they had Jaden Delore, it could have gone one of two ways. Like, Delore <laughs> would have had five picks, and they would have yeah, or five touchdowns, five, or or five touchdowns, and they would have won the game. I mean, who yeah. who really knows? Yeah. Who knows? It's, it's the Delora, like it's it's what's the game? Is it Russian roulette when you put put the bullet in the revolver yes. and spin it? Yes, That's, yeah, Delora roulette, yeah. No, if he yeah, plays but, in this game, if he plays in this game, either Arizona wins forty to thirty-one or Washington wins fifty to twenty. <laughs> yeah, the problem is with Delora, it's like it's if there's a six bullet revolver, like four games he's or putting three four, plus four bullets in. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, well, like yeah, that that and like those four bullets are all three plus interception games where it's like, <laughs> has this guy ever played college football before? And then the two times that it doesn't shoot, it's like uh five hundred yards and Six touchdowns. And is that guy's like what fifth year player now? Like usually quarterbacks kind of mature and and he just never has. No, I mean he just I don't he doesn't strike like when I watch him play, and like I'm sure it drives Jed Wish up Jed Fish up a wall. He doesn't strike me as someone that actually like really like understands like how to play the position. He just kind of throws the ball. And like I can I can genuinely appreciate the like fuck it, I'm going deep mentality. But at the same time, it's like it's so it's it's just not good quarterback play to watch. It's just very sloppy. It's his yeah, feet suck. Yeah. They're all over the place. Like his, he tries to do the Patrick Mahomes sidearm thing, but he's really doesn't have the arm talent to be even attempting those things. And it's just like just stop. Just, Much like Tafita is not Marcus Mariota, Delora is not Patrick Mahomes. No, yeah, it's. I I'm really shocked that they didn't go out and get a better quarterback in the transfer portal. Like I'm seeing some of the transfer portal quarterbacks that are playing at other schools. And I'm like, like if Tyler Shuck was at Arizona, like that's actually probably a pretty good football team. Yeah. Um, or like, I don't know. I, I just, I actually really have a lot of respect for Jed fish as an offensive coach. Um, and I think that the Oregon staff is going to be really thankful for him. Like watching parts of that game last night, but between the, uh, the boxing matches, 
it they formationally like he was scheming them up and he was giving them a lot of looks and i think it was a that that film was going to be really useful for the oregon staff in terms of figuring out like what are uh, washington's rules like in against certain types of formations whether it's unbalanced or quads um and that's all stuff that they're that's going to be like very usable intelligence so they should definitely write a thank you letter to jed fish for for what he put on tape from like a formational standpoint um last night in in, in tucson yeah, and I do I do want to give Washington a little bit of credit here. Michael Penix Jr. did not have a touchdown pass in this game, but he was he was better than he's been at the past in, in the sense that he was Arizona wasn't giving him his usual deep balls. And he was patient and he willing was willing to check down and take what was there and drive the field. And where we've seen him in the past get impatient sometimes, or their offense get impatient sometimes with that style of play. I, they didn't in this game and they took what was there they drove the field and they, and they did enough, uh, you know, to, to score in those situations. And that was their best rushing game of the year. I think too, at least from an efficiency standpoint, Dylan Johnson had 91 yards, 5.7, a carry two touchdowns. Um, and then yeah, Jeremy they, Bernard, you know, was effective. And he was the beneficiary of a lot of those checkdowns. It's kind of the outlet guy with, with Rowan and also playing for, uh, Mc, McMillan, who didn't play in this one. So Jeremy had eight for 98 and um, did some damage there. Yeah, I think uh, Washington found some things that they could do in the run game against Arizona, and they just took advantage. Of I mean, like Arizona's front seven is kind of like, I, this is, gosh, I am on a roll tonight. It's kind of like the Island of Misfit Toys. Like, it's just a bunch of guys that were like scout team guys at a bunch of packed, a bunch of Power Five schools, like coming together to form this like mismatch of, former Washington and Oregon and Cal linebackers and like defensive linemen who never cracked rotations at Georgia and UCLA and all these other places. And it's just like, it's just, it's not, it's not a super talented group. It's a more stout group than they had in the past. I think, I think where, where Arizona is actually more talented is in the secondary. And I think that they did a good job of kind of keeping a lid on things and keeping things in front. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to be interested to see, one of the things that shocked me about this game, and again, we're going to dig into them a lot more, is just the complete lack of pressure for Washington. I mean, Braylon Trice got his first sack of the year, and it was a really nice move against Jordan Morgan. But for the most part, Washington was having a hard time really getting to Fafita. Um, so, well, I think some... I think unlike unlike what we were talking about with Oregon earlier, where they they may not have a single pass rusher as talented as a Braylon Trice, right? But they're bringing pressure with 12 different guys from all over the field. Right. And and I think Washington relies more on more on the traditional, like Trice and ZTF to get around the edges and, uh, and generate pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe they were just counting on, uh, uh, Frodo Baggins, like not being able to see <laughs> and just like keeping him in the pocket. And <laughs> all right. Enough, uh, <laughs> enough Hobbit jokes for today. <laughs> I, I kind of thought it was more more Pippin myself, but, you know, Frodo, I Pippin, gotcha. whatever. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, needless to say, Washington did not cover the 18-point spread there, winning 31-24. to 24. All three of us took the loss on that one. We'll move over to Utah-Oregon State. This was the Friday night game. Utah takes their first loss of the year, dropping in Corvallis 21-7 um, to 7 in a game that I think this is too, is it two good defenses? I don't know. It's Utah has a good defense. I, think I mean, it's certainly cool. at least one putrid offense. Yes. Utah's offense is absolutely horrific. Uh, there was a bad. stat. 
that they were like they were saying this like a compliment in a complimentary way before the game where like Nate Johnson has combined in his three starts for three touchdowns and 198 total yards. And I'm like, oh I'm that's like, not good. For, so he's averaging 63 yards and a touchdown. Like, let's first of all, let's make it clear. Like this guy cannot throw the ball like at all. Um, and he in, in so and he's only had a of thirty one isn't good QB. Are you sure thirteen of thirty one? That's not a good. That's not a good percentage, isn't it? Baseball like he's like the his good. completion percentage and his percentage of balls to open receivers that were like four feet over their head and completely uncatchable are probably pretty similar. Like I and I, I don't mean that to be hyperbolic, but like legitimately just like nothing nothing is easy with him like you don't nothing is on the body like guys are having to go down for things things are getting sky mailed over their heads like he he's got a lot of mechanical stuff to work on like that is that is a work in progress and that is not something that's getting fixed this year they need they desperately need Cameron rising back yeah i don't know i don't know how much that's going to help though because i think their offense has bigger problems than just cameron rising and brent keithy i i I mean i just think maybe yeah Maybe it's because the uh, teams are able to stack the run or something, but I mean they're, they're I mean, they average one point eight yards per carry in this game, fifty seven yards on thirty two rushes, and in their two conference games so far, they've scored fourteen total points on offense. Yeah, the like shout out to the solid verbal. They they said this a couple of years ago. Like they used to always talk about it with Notre Dame. Like Notre Dame has a problem. Problem. What they mean by that is like there's no one like from a skills skill standpoint that presents like unique problems to opposing teams and like who is the problem like who is the skill player that you're scared of when you play utah money parks thomas yasmin and, like and like i think i think it is yasmin and like if your most explosive playmaking threat is a tight end i like <laughs> then like, your name is utah like, yeah, like they, Andy Ludwig, that's like an Andy Ludwig wet dream. But at the same time, like you're not going to be explosive enough to win this league. You're just not. Like I think that their defense is like very good. I think it's very solid. And I think that as yeah. they get continue to get players back, they'll get better on offense once they have Keithy and they can do – then they can do all kinds of fun stuff with two tight ends. Um, and they have their quarterback back who's a much more efficient player. But I don't think that his legs are going to factor into this at all at any point this season, Cam Rising. Well, and that's is. what – and that's a – huge part of what makes him special. Like, I mean, him, I, I'm sure he's going to be way more effective than either Bryson Barnes or Nate Johnson as a dropback passer. But th- what scares you about Cam Rising is the improvisational stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's going to be, and I'm sure he'll scramble and stuff, but like, I don't think that, it's weird to say this, but I don't think that Kyle Whittingham has a green light from the Rising family to run him on like design quarterback stuff. I I can't imagine they would do that. Yeah. But in, in Oregon state looked good. They ran the ball. Well, it, like the one thing is, is this Utah secondary is very susceptible. Like I don't, we'll see, like it's always tough to win in salt Lake. I don't see Utah beating any of Oregon, Washington and uh, USC yeah. though, after watching this game, yeah. because like and the it, only one they get it at home is Oregon. They go on the road. The two field. best playmakers on Oregon State on the for Oregon State on the outside are both sub five eight, and like they were just torching, like they were like they Utah is super stiff at corner. Like they just they just can't. Stay I mean, with guys. 
Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what they look like if and when Rising and Keithy get back. But yeah, they this one we all picked Utah on this one, which, like you said, in retrospect, we probably uh, weren't very smart on that. And and they've Oregon got a State good. I think covered. I think that Utah actually has one of the best, probably the best pass rush they've had in a long time. Um, but although like, they did have several more defensive players go out of this game and injured, so that could be trouble I too. I I just think that like that like if if you're looking to bet I whatever the spread is of Washington in Seattle against Utah, like that Utah secondary, I think is going to get thrashed by Washington. If Washington's healthy, I, I just, their corners I mean, are I think fine. USC is going to open one up on them for, I mean, I think. Oh yeah. They owe, USC owes them one. And I'm sure that Riley's a little butt hurt after last year. Um, yeah. But then again, and Utah like, doesn't USC's, have the offense to, to, to score back. I mean, like the other teams can like, Colorado you know can, what? Like Oregon can USC's defense might, like figure out a way this is the classic like what happens when a stoppable force meets a movable object situation like yeah yeah utah's offense like alex grinch might find ways to make utah's offense look explosive in that game we will find out in a few weeks all right so next game up uh let's go to the usc game 48 41 victory over colorado did not cover the 21 and a half point spread looked like they were going to cruise to it early and then uh I'll give Colorado credit. They didn't quit in this game. They found uh, a, a freshman that uh, this O'Marion Miller kid, 196 yards and a touchdown, seven catches, basically all in the second half. Um, I don't, I don't know what his story is and why he hasn't been playing, but that's a kid who looked pretty darn good to me. It's funny because he was a kid who was committed to Nebraska. Nebraska is like Utah and has zero playmakers. Um, they could use him. Yeah, they could use him. And that, that kind of goes to the whole, like, I think Matt Rule is pretty good at the player evaluation and uh, identification game. But uh, besides the point, yeah, Colorado found some things against a really, I, I still think this is a really bad USC defense. And I, I actually think that the parts are probably a little bit better than the sum. And I think that's a major indictment on Alex Grinch, who I, he must have some kind of like dirt on Lincoln Riley at this point, because he's, he's, he really has no business coordinating that defense. Yeah, there are, are, I'm going to tangent here a little bit. There are, I don't know, what about FBS football games, about what, 50, 60 football games a week, maybe something like that, 60 football games a week in the FBS, which means most of those are on TV, which probably means you have 40, 50 different announcing crews. It's a lot of people. There's like, what, maybe two, three good crews in the entire country that call football games and the the Fox big game crew is not one of them uh, between Gus Johnson, who I think was going to have an orgasm every time Colorado got three yards. Um, and then Joel Klatt, who spent the entire game talking about how, well, at least the entire first two, two and a half quarters talking about how great USC's defense is and how improved they are this year. It's like, what, what game are these guys watching? What are they doing out there? Yeah. Um, I, I usually like Joel Klatt. This wasn't his best performance, and I think it's tough because he's a Buffalo, and so he's probably like trying to like reverse Homer almost a little bit and like kind of dug out on the USC defense um, to like make it seem that I don't know. I think well, he's been Herb doing Street, a lot of duging out on UW too. But yeah, well, I think I think Kirk Herbstreet like he does such a good job with Ohio State that it's hard to. Um, it's 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 hard not to take it for granted, right? And like you just expect that everybody is going to be able to do that, and it's not easy to do. 
like right, he's calling a game at his alma mater. His alma mater is probably the most exciting that they've been since he was there. Um, yeah. So, and I get that. I know that like Gus Johnson's probably personal friends with Dion, and there's a lot of stuff going on there, right? But uh, I, I actually think that I, I enjoy that crew. I think Gus Johnson is when he's in his bag is pretty good, but sometimes he's, he's just I'm, a I'm bit too excitable for me. Like not anything is better than the Rod Gilmore, like. Tim Brando combo or whatever that. <laughs> <laughs> or, or freaking, who was it that was called? Is it Petros Papadakis? Petros, that guy's, yeah. That guy's voice makes me want to jump off a cliff. Um, like, Lewis Riddick is fantastic for ESPN. Like, I actually think he's the best that ESPN has. Um, and that's, I think, kind of where it ends in terms of people that yeah. I enjoy. I, I will say, I think, I, I mean, I definitely, like, play-by-play play play guys, usually most of them don't bother me much. Like, it's a pretty straight-up job, right? You just... You're just calling the action. Uh, it, the color guys are, are where it makes and breaks um, the telecast. And, and there's just not most of them aren't very good. There are there are some good ones. That's why there. like Lewis is great because he is actually like a personnel guy. Like, he called the Colorado State game. And I thought he did a great job. Um, I like actually think Mark Helfrich does a really good job. Mark is good. Guy. Mark is a good one. Yeah. He, I wish he could get on a, a bigger stage or, you know, move up the tier or something. Cause I do think he does a really good job. I like, I like the guys who know football and aren't afraid to talk football. Like they don't feel like they have to dumb it down for the mass audience. Like I, that drives me nuts. Yeah. And actually I don't mind the, the group that we had for the Colorado game. They, um, they were fine. The bat. Yeah. The bachelor host and, uh, <laughs> The bachelor, and, uh, yeah. yeah. What, what the heck? Why is his name the the whatever? Move matter. on. Next All right, game. move on. All right, this is a long tangent. All right, so yeah, Colorado five hundred sixty four yards in this game. So yeah, Alex Grinch uh, got the got the dreaded vote of confidence from Lincoln Riley after the game, but in this case, it's probably not dreaded. So he's he's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, right, Arizona State yeah. Cal, the last Pac twelve game this week. Uh, Cal was a twelve and a half point favorite in this one. Did I take um, them? I'm such an idiot. Yeah, I, I did so too. St- I did too. I don't know what I, the heck. I've had thinking. it right, and then I talked myself out of being right. I, I, you're, I talked you out of it. You're right. Because Justin had ASU, and he got it. I was thinking yeah, Ju- Cal, Justin's just shooting from the hip and trusting his intuition, and that's why he's winning. I My my thought was that Arizona State had kind of kind of blew their whole wad in the USC game, and, and they weren't going to be able to repeat that. But if, clearly, if Justin we, actually I don't know what us. I was thinking. If Justin actually beats us, we're kicking him off the show next year. No, yeah, he's not coming back for sure. He's out. He's out if he okay. wins. Well, that we'll that game, to. I didn't watch it. I don't have anything to add other than like Kenny Dillon. I'm a I'm coach. a sicko because I actually was flipping back and forth between this one and and some of the other games that were going on at the same time. Scatabo um, continues I to run the be ball because <laughs> Kenny Dillingham is a substantially better football coach than Justin Wilcox. Yeah. Definitely, without a doubt. I like okay, QB. It's twenty twenty three. Justin Wilcox has fielded like six straight years of bad football teams, and yet he still has a legion, an army of people. Well, yeah, talking about how great of a coach he is. I don't understand how how is he pulling off this magic trick? I don't understand it because if you give John Canzano any attention at all. He is yours for life. But it's not just John Canzano. It's like there's so many people, fans, pundits, like, oh, Justin Wilcox, such a great coach. He he really knows. He's a great coach. He's like, like, who? Like, no. That's like, we've got a book of audience now that shows that that's not true. Yeah, it's all right. Moving on. Anyway, yeah, we all, we lost that one. They suck. 
Okay, let's go to the national game. So we will uh, start with our Big Ten uh, trio, if you will. Uh, speaking of Big Ten, we're going to have Big Ten Ted on tomorrow. So make sure you check out that. We'll be talking about uh, Big Ten through the first five weeks of the season. So Michigan State, Iowa, the game that we could not wait to talk about um, in our preview show and probably so excited that we covered in this one. Iowa was also a 12 and a half point favorite. Unlike or like Cal, they did not cover. They did score 26 points, however, but they only won by 10. Wait, what was the score of this game? 26, 26 to 16. Damn. 26, 16. And Iowa scored 13 in the fourth quarter to, to win. Um, and Michigan down. state's mega booster shut down his collective. Did he really? <laughs> oh yeah. All players um, contracts are now null and void. <laughs> wait, he's uh, he just cut him off mid season. Literally, literally all wow. contracts. Wow. He, and it, he was the one running the collective that was endorsed by the university. Wow. That is I don't, something. He was, I think a pretty notable Mel Tucker supporter. So I think he's sticking it to the man, but I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. Well, that's going to be fun for whoever wants to come and take that job now. I'm um, sure that game yeah. was just as hideous of a rock fight as it sounds. So, yeah, Iowa slightly underpaced to keep Brian Ferentz's job. Uh, they actually they actually had some special team score in this one too. So, of course they, they did. He's getting some help. He's getting some help from uh, from the from other guys Daddy. there. You picked <laughs> Iowa, so you you took yeah you picked Iowa and took the loss. So uh, Justin and I got that one. However. Moving over next to Michigan and Nebraska. Uh, uh, yeah, Justin, I don't know what he was thinking, picking Nebraska to cover 17 because this game wasn't close. 45-7, to seven, Michigan opened up a can on the Cornhuskers and kind of like came out of second gear for the first time this year, I think. Yeah, I mean, they had to do it, right? Like they've, And it's funny because they did it all on the ground. Like they still aren't really showing the passing game and – I will see if they have one later on this year when they have to be more explosive against better football teams. But um, I mean, they did overall, have four players attempt to pass in this game. Yeah. I mean, Nebraska's just doesn't have the horses and I'm sure it'll get better. Um, I don't know not. who Heinrich Harburg is, but he's apparently the Nebraska quarterback now. He sounds like a Viking. I thought he sounded like a German. Oh, Heinrich. Yeah. Oh yeah, Heinrich is. A but Harburg is more like is more nor, like uh, Scandinavian, Norwegian, so you're yeah. Because right, it's a double A, like H A A R B E R G. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's a combo, half German, half uh, Swedish, or something. As Dad sailed south, and I'm sure he loves that we're talking about him, but he'll never hear us. Um, yeah, one ninety nine and an interception in this one. Uh, nice. Nebraska's just. I thought this team was going to be more ready to not not to beat Michigan, but I just thought this team was going to be more ready to play this year. And it looks it's like it's a rebuilding job. They're is... actually pretty solid defensively, but well, when your offense, <laughs> yeah, when your offense is so inept that like they can't sustain anything, like your defense just gets left out to dry. Yeah, I mean they they did manage three hundred and five yards, Michigan's but really probably garbage good. time there. Oh, Michigan is. I think Michigan might be the best team in the country right now. But I don't know because I haven't played anybody yet. All right, what's the third game we picked? It was the Penn State uh, Northwestern. Game. It's Penn State Northwestern, baby. Nittany Lions forty-one, Northwestern right. thirteen. You and I got that one right. Justin inexplicably picked Northwestern. Although it was a twenty-seven point line, so I guess he thought, and they they only came up one short, so I guess he wasn't too far off. Yeah, 
189 and a touchdown. Easy day's work. You know, Penn State didn't actually put up a ton of yards in this game. It was only like yeah, this game was fifty yards, like ten weird. ten at halftime. It was a pretty sloppy game actually. But they they like they're just their quality showed over a larger sample, right? That's how it kind of goes with those games. So they kind of did an Oregon Stanford thing in the first half, huh? Kind of just yeah. Well, yeah. no, because Oregon like played three good quarters. Penn State yeah. played two, two good quarters. Yeah, they did win the second half, thirty-one to three. So credit due there. All right, uh, let's move on. Ole Miss, LSU. This was quite a fun one. 55 to 49. The Run Rebels take care of LSU. They put up 700 yards of over 700 yards of offense against LSU. And LSU themselves put up 640. So a lot of offense in this game. 1,350 yards. Lane Kiffin is like a, a walking, talking. Like, you know that scene in Dumb and Dumber when he, when he takes off? He has, he's like, hey, he takes off one pair of gloves and he takes off another one. It's like, you've had two pairs of gloves this entire time. <laughs> That's literally Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin against Alabama, like talked all that crap all week, like was trying to instigate. And then just, they just got put in a box and shipped back to Ole, to Ole Miss. And then they go into this game and he totally redeems himself. They, they It's a masterful offensive performance. And he just absolutely schemes up and slices and dices uh, the Matt House in the LSU defense. So, really good job by Lane Kiffin on this one. Um, Jaden Daniels played a hell of a game here. Yeah, 414 yards, four touchdowns for Daniels. J- Jackson Dart, 389 and four touchdowns. Ole Miss ran for another 317 as well. Um, Which is really impressive because their offensive line is not very good. Like, Ole Miss offensive line is... What like, happened to is, LSU's defense? It's a secondary. They just they're they're just. But they got like, they like, got run on for three hundred yards, so it can't be just their secondary. Yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. The LSU is three and two. They're out of the they're out of the playoff race now. Uh, a lot of team, a lot of people would pick them, and I, I, maybe I did to be uh, a playoff contender or a playoff. Um, I didn't pick them, thankfully, to make the playoffs. But I thought they'd be a contender in the West, and I guess they still uh, me too because. They only have one loss in the West, so we'll see what happens when they play Alabama. Yeah, you did pick them to win the West at the beginning of the year. I picked Alabama to win the West, but I, I know I was high in LSU this year, along with a lot of people. And yeah, they just don't. I don't know. That's they're, they're uh, much give, better. You can't give up seven hundred yards. <laughs> they're much better offensively. It's just that, and and they, they're. I think they're very talented in the front seven. Um, although, like, well, I won't go there. We'll just move All on right. to the next game. Texas 40, Kansas 14. I was high when I made this pick and chose Kansas to cover. You and Justin, I actually wasn't high, but I should have been or could have been. You and uh, Justin picked Texas smartly, uh, and this was all Texas in this one. I, and this team, I think they're for real. I think they're I think they're a playoff team this year. I don't I don't well, sir, I'll just say this. Winner of Texas Oklahoma is in the playoffs. Uh yeah, I mean they're very clearly the two best teams. Although they'll probably rematch, so maybe maybe they'll have to do it twice. Yeah, I have a, I'm starting to get the feeling that we might play Washington twice. Regardless, becoming of more and more likely by the week. Uh, Quinn Ewers, three twenty five and a touchdown. Texas ran for three hundred and thirty six. Um, Kansas was out without Jalen Daniels. Honestly, had no offense in this one. It was just a just a good old fashioned beatdown, and never never close. Yep. 
Notre Dame, Duke, uh, game of the week. Uh, Notre Dame again comes down to the last play of the game. QB, of the many, many things I hate, one of the things I hate is dropping eight in in, in a in a normal play, not a not a Hail Mary situation. Is and this a last, poem? I, it wasn't meant to be, but it kind of rhymed. I like that. But last week in Ohio State, Notre Dame, Ohio State was on the brink of losing. Notre Dame was on the brink of winning. They had a fourth and 15. And Ohio State rushes three, or sorry, Notre Dame rushes three, drops eight, allows Ohio State to complete the pass to the one yard line in the middle of eight defensive backs. And then, of course, they lose a couple plays later. This game, Duke, who had been, had been going at Notre Dame with pressure all game long, all the final drive long, very effectively. That's what they do. That is what they do. And it had been effective. And all of a sudden, it's fourth and 16, and they rush three and drop eight. And by the way, no one watches the quarterback who runs for 17 yards in the first down, and then they house the next play for the walk-off touchdown win. Why do teams rush three and drop eight? It never works. Never works. I mean, except for when it does, but it's all right. I'll let you off the hook. Anecdotally, it never works. I want to see some numbers on it. Okay. Drop seven. If you want to drop seven, drop seven. Rush four. Three I feel really bad for Riley Leonard, though, because I think he might be done for – I think he's done for the year. Yeah, that's unfortunate. And I feel bad for Duke because I thought, I thought they played a, a great game. I thought they had done everything they needed to do to deserve to win this game, and then their coach let them down with a terrible play call on, on the, the play of the game. So, yeah. Notre Dame uh, – Gets a little bit of the luck of the Irish, holds on to their playoff hopes. They're moved to five and one on the year. They got a date with uh, USC coming up. That'll that's an interesting one because Notre Dame has a good defense, and I don't know can they can they stop USC? Can they slow down USC enough? Can they score enough? I don't know. I don't know what to expect out of the game. They're going to run be, the ball. Is it going to be fifty to forty or or Notre 40 Dame to is going to run the ball happen? for six trillion yards against USC? I'm promising you right now. Notre Dame is going to look like the most physical football team of all time against that USC front. I hope we get to watch that game. It's on the same day as uh, Oregon, Washington. Most likely Oregon, Washington will be the 1230 kickoff. Notre Dame uh, USC is the 430 kickoff, but there is a chance that they could play at the same time, which would suck. And I hope it doesn't happen. Yeah, me too. But I'll record it either way. All right. Um, We both had, actually you had Notre Dame. I picked Duke. I got screwed by that coach as well, and Justin also had Notre Dame. So there you go. Four and seven week for me. We need to do our power rankings and get out of here. Yeah, let's do it. Um, These I'm, are the I'm easiest run... ones for me yet. Yeah, Sam, I'm going to run through them really quick, just one through 12 from top to bottom. Is that cool with you? Yes. I I mean, I'll just interrupt that. you. Where I'll just let, After each one, let me say whether I agree or disagree. All right. One, Oregon. Agreed. Two, Washington. Yes. Three, USC. Yes. Four, Wazoo. Yes. Five, Oregon State. Yes. Six, Utah. Yes. Seven, UCLA. Correct. Eight, Colorado. Agree. Nine, Arizona. Also have Arizona. Ten, uh, Cal. Eleven, Arizona State. Twelve, Stanford. We are in 100% alignment. It's just, this was it's the becoming, easiest one. I mean, it was just obvious. It was too easy. Yeah, it's like Washington made it easy to put them in second this week. Um, USC made it very easy to put them in third. 
Uh, and Washington like, State, Oregon I, State, Utah, UCLA is all just head to head to head, right? Washington yep. State beat Oregon State, who beat Utah, who beat UCLA. Boom, done. Yep, exactly. So I, it's going to become easier as as games play out. Um, a lot less guesswork and moving well, and people I think the, arbitrarily. The, the tier lines are getting are getting pretty well solidified. I think you know one through three, Washington State maybe could have a say in that um, getting into that top group, and then you've got Washington State, Oregon State. Utah, UCLA, I think those four will intermix throughout the year as they play each other and others. And then you got Colorado, Arizona kind of in that tier of their own. And then their head-to-head game will probably ultimately decide who who gets an eight, who gets at nine. And then the bottom three, same thing. When they play each other, they'll settle, settle once and for all the order of those three. Yep. All right, QB. It's been a long one. I think it has covered it all. I got to get up at the crack of dawn. You got to get up at the crack of dawn. All of our listeners need to get up at the crack of dawn so they can listen to this podcast tomorrow. I think now yeah. is a good time to end it. You got it. So Big Ten Ted will be here on Tuesday morning. Listen to that on Thursday morning. Hithliday, always a favorite guest of ours, will be back to talk with QB for 18 hours while I shuffle cards or something. And then uh, we'll have our picks <laughs> on Friday as usual. <laughs> And uh, then we'll be back next Sunday with a ton of listener questions and our week six review. And then it's hate week. I'm just going to make it super awkward for you and Hithel Day. I'm just going to be like, I don't know, Doug, what do you think? <laughs> uh, uh, you're going to do that to me. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you a couple times this week and uh, we're going to be putting out a lot of content in the next 14 days. So yeah, it's going to be good. Thanks everyone. Night.